Have you ever been excited about a job? Okay, maybe not your job. Well, how about a project, right? Excited about a project. Uh, last year, we embarked on a landscaping project to move a bunch of dirt and put in some walls and a fire pit and patios and gazebo and do all this kind of stuff. And uh, once we got the wall cornerstone set and we knew the direction uh, this wall was going, I was pretty much unstoppable. You can ask Heather about it. No one had to convince me to go outside and work on building that wall. Once we'd started, it was on. There was dirt to be moved, ground to be pounded, bricks to be laid. And unlike the Egyptians, I didn't have to make my own bricks. So it just kept coming and coming and coming. You know, for some projects, there's uh, there's energy like that to, to move a project to completion. For me, I look around my house and I'm like, oh, I forgot to do that, didn't do that. There's not a lot of energy to do it, of course. Um, but, but in our story that we've been looking with Moses, we see Israel just in Egypt struggling under, under terrible conditions, right? The threat of their own lives. And then it becomes even more impossible, the conditions, because they've, they've had this forced labor even raised up a notch, and they've resented Yahweh for making things more difficult for them. Because now we're talking to Pharaoh, let my people go. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to actually make it more difficult. God had said he was going to rescue them, but their lives were getting more difficult. <laughs> but God had this energy, a zeal, to continue his covenant work to be faithful to the promise, to be true to himself. And I think we can know this with, with complete certainty, that Yahweh is the God who completes his course. He finishes what he started. And aren't we thankful for that? That he completes what he started. He's going to finish the work he began in us to shape us to look and to act like Jesus. That's what we want. But do we resist? Yeah. Is he patient? Yeah, he is. Will he wait forever for you to get on board? No. There's a, there's a time to get moving. There's a time to leave Egypt. And that time is always today. So pack your bags. We're leaving the kingdom of darkness and we're headed into the light. We're setting down the tools of service to the world's system setting aside their service and headed to serve the creator God. The water's been parted. The dry land has appeared. And Yahweh is the I am and the I will be. And he is the I will do. If you look at Exodus chapter 6, we'll look at verses 6 through 9. Moses has been told to say this to the people of Israel. Listen for the I statements. I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am Yahweh. Moses spoke this way to the people of Israel, but they didn't listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. But, but Yahweh reinforces, I am Yahweh. My word is good. My energy is powerful. My faithfulness is tenacious. I will accomplish this. I will do it. 
There's been a word that we've seen all the way through the Exodus right now. It's this word service or work or slavery. It's all that same word in Hebrew, uh, the same same root of aboda. Service, 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 work, 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 slavery, slavery, slavery. And also, we kind of hinted at this last week, when, when Yahweh says, let my people go that they may serve me, it's the same word. Well, what are they going to do to serve Yahweh? And what is it like to serve a new master? Well, it sounds like he's setting up a counter kingdom. Yes, a counter kingdom to Pharaoh. He's saying they're not going to serve you anymore. These people, you know, some about half a million people come out of Egypt to serve me instead of you to serve me, to worship me. And we'll have to take a look at the overlap there. God is now becoming king on earth. He's accomplishing this work, this covenant that, right, he's, he's divorced the other nations. He sent them packing under other rulership, under other gods. And, and he has said, I'm going to take Abraham and Sarah and make a nation of them. I'm going to fulfill this covenant so I can bring all the nations back. So starting with Israel, and then he's taking back the nations. I will be king on this earth. You should hear the language coming out of the Exodus. We know then the plagues happened, and, and you can read all through there, just amazing, uh, powerful uh, work. And then the, 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 the Yam Suf, the Sea of Reeds, um, the, it's often called the Red Sea, opens up and, and God marches his people across and, and crushes the enemy. That's all in Exodus chapter 14. But then in Exodus 15, there's this poem. I think you'd be interested to read this with me. There's a poem. Go there to Exodus chapter 15. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Uh, and this is the, the opera version, right? There's the narrative before, and then this one comes out, the rock opera. What has God done? Let's enjoy this together. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to Yahweh, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Yahweh is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahweh, glorious in power, your right hand, O Yahweh, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill with them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Yahweh, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them, period. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. And you have guided them by your strength to your holy abode, 
The nations have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. There still is a stone. Until your people pass by, O Yahweh, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Yahweh, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Yahweh, which your hands have established. Yahweh will reign forever and ever. He is becoming king on earth, starting with Israel to bring all the nations back in. This is the thing that he will do. His right hand, his right arm, his outstretched arm. Pharaoh was often said in their literature, in the literature of Egypt, that his strong hand, his strong arm was accomplishing these things. As the son of Horus, the son of, of the gods, he had the strong arm and God says, I will show you what a strong arm looks like. And then the question is, how does this apply to us? Well, if you are in Christ, if you are, have pledged your allegiance to the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, then you are part of true Israel. This becomes your song as well. This becomes your inheritance as well. You start to see how God is at work for you. And you start to see how the enemy wants to strike back. But who is like God? Who is like Yahweh among the gods? No, there is none. He is the one who does wonders. Maybe some of you have that story of how he's redeemed your life. Think back on that. Work with that with me right now. Think about how he has, has, has redeemed and transformed and is shaping you in the form of Jesus. In Exodus chapter 19, we'll look at verses 4 through 8. They've come through the waters, right? They've come through the plagues. And, and he says, tell them this. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Moses, tell them about it. You've seen how I've borne you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey my voice and you will keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And true Israel, all those who are now included in Israel, uh, which is uh, me, I know for myself, and, and for you, are you included there? See, what they've, they've moved from a service, a forced service of Pharaoh to build his cities, and later in this story, we're going to find them happily sacrificing, contributing to build the place where God would dwell in the mobile God building, the tabernacle, and then eventually in the city of God, Jerusalem. They enthusiastically, zealously donated goods, more than enough to build the temple of God. See, they've, they've moved from forced servitude to now a choice to serve. They have a new master, and, and they're not forced, but now it's a choice if you obey, if you will keep my covenant. And the curious thing for me is that worship, this word we use of, of worship, of doing these things unto God, is the same as service. So worship is service, and, and service is the way we worship. There's, there's no breaking this apart. 
especially as you see this, this kingdom of priest language, which we're just about to get into. Service is freely given to God, freely offered to this king who is released and rescued and redeemed. Right? In Christ, if you're in Christ, you've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and your chains have been, been released and you're no longer slaves, but you can freely offer yourselves in worship, which is service to the king. We're not serving Pharaoh, we're serving Yahweh now. So if you repent and you say, God, I have been running my own direction. I am, uh, I have been thumbing my nose at you. I don't give a rip what you think. I have been running in my own kingdom, but I've been trapped because I've been in the kingdom of this world. Um, I confess that and I just, I, I want to obey you and, and obey your covenant and worship Jesus. You become with me these three things, treasure, possession, kingdom of priests, holy nation. Treasured possession. Let's look at that one. So, no one wants to be possessed in that sense. You know, you don't own me. This is my life. Get, leave me alone. But this is the truth. You're either in service to the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. That is a really a binary choice. That's the way God sets it up. That's just the way it is. You either worship Yahweh as king or you're worshiping something else as king. But we are worshipers. We will serve. We are, that, that's just part of our identity. So you will be somebody's possession. In Christ, we've been wrested from the hand of Satan, our enemy, and we've been brought into the kingdom of light as a treasured possession. So possession, yes, but treasured. And we're a kingdom of priests. What do priests do? Well, they, they operate in that space um, between God and man. They, they bring sacrifices and worship to God, and then they bring words back to men and women, and then, you know, just this back and forth kind of thing. But, but God says, y'all are a kingdom of priests. Not just the priestly system. You are, you're all intended to be a kingdom of priests. You're all active in the worship service, the service which is worship, which is service. Have you ever thought about this? Why do we call it our worship service? Come and worship with us. We have a worship service at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays. And I do welcome you. Come. Why do we call it a worship service? Well, because it's a service of worship to our King. Some of you have asked this question or been asked this question. Hey, did you enjoy the worship service today? What did you enjoy about the worship service? Oh, I really like this song. I really like this. Or this didn't really work for me. Or the pastor went too long or whatever. whatever. Actually, the question is this. <laughs> did God enjoy our kingdom of priests service of worship to him? Have you thought about that? Do you think maybe we took a detour somewhere in the American church a while back? And we need to back that thing up and get back on the right track that we are a kingdom of priests. Oh, okay, we're gathering together um, or we're working in the community. Okay, our hearts is, is, are to, is to, to be a kingdom of priests and we are serving and worshiping and worshiping and serving. And I think it's the same thing. And we're, we're presenting our lives to God and we're bringing people along with us. You know, we talk about how it, as at Issaquah Christian Church, we're going out to bring the message of Jesus out to the people and then bringing those people deeper and deeper into the family of God because we are all priests. Well, you know this, right? First Peter 2, 4 through 5. Peter says to the church, as you come to him, Jesus, this living stone, which is rejected by men, 
but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. Remember, Jesus is the cornerstone, right? So remember my project, okay? Once I got that stone set, this is the direction. This is going to be the trajectory and the level that all the rest of this is going to go off to. The pattern has begun. I was off to the races. Well, that's what God is like with Jesus. He is the living stone. Rejected by men, but he's going to plant it firmly in place. This is the stone. This sets the course in the rejection. And you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. Well, why? To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Later in verse 9, it says these words, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Sound familiar? Yes, Exodus chapter 15. So we are a treasure possession, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. This nation of Israel was meant to to cause other nations to tremble, but also then to, to come and take seriously the worship of their king. I look at the church and I see, wow, that's what it looks like for a people that are devoted to God, that obey him, that keep his covenant. See, church, as a holy nation, we don't just bring the message out to our city. We are the message. God intends to speak to the hearts of everyone in our community, whether that's Maple Valley or Bellevue or Sammamish or our hometown Issaquah. He intends to speak into people's hearts and say, yeah, 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 I know you don't believe me. I know you don't believe the message yet, but look at those people. Look at them. Look at the way they are unified. Look at the way they love. Look at the way they serve. Look at the way they include people that aren't like them. Look at the way that, that they are forming a people, a treasured possession, a, a kingdom of priests. We are the message. Back to 1 Peter, those verses 9 through 12. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why did you save me? You've asked this question if you're in Christ. Why did you save me? What am I, what am I for? Um, you know, did, did he just did he just save me and then he's just like I have to sit here and I just have to live long enough so that I can go somewhere else to heaven or no it's not like a crock pot set it and forget it it's it, he, he actually intends that you would be now a people who proclaim the excellencies you're a kingdom of priests after all it says once you were not a people but now you are God's people once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy Beloved, he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Abstain. These passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Oh, wow, there's, there's some work for us to do then. Absolutely. I'll get right back to that. But I want you to take you to Titus 2.14. Titus, Paul, Paul is saying to him, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. 
training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Really? <laughs> renounce ungodliness and worldly passions? Abstain what, from the passions of the flesh? You know, abstinence is just ridiculous these days in the world's mindset. Abstinence. Self-denial is the new heresy. How could you dare say I have to deny myself? I'm supposed to indulge everything about, well, that's the world system. Come out. That's the way they think. Come out of there. You, that's darkness. Bringing salvation for people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the King, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought I was just kind of a, a kept person. <laughs> a kept, I thought I was just, just hanging out in the crockpot waiting for heaven. No, no, no. You are a people purified, holy nation, right? For his own possession, who are zealous for good works. That word zealous is an interesting one. Uh, you might remember the Apostle Paul was zealous to execute followers of Jesus. <laughs> it was the kind of zeal that, that caused him to be a murderer. It's also a political word, the zealots in the New Testament. Um, it's, they're the patriots. Yeah, that's what a patriot is, a zealot. And God is saying, no, 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 you are to be a people purified, a purified treasured possession with a zealousness, a zeal for good works. Not a compulsory labor, no, but a freedom and a joy and a, and a lightness, zealous for good works. The burden, the burden of, of Egypt has now, has now been removed and the burden is picked up by Jesus, right? But then we are to be yoked with him. And he says, come and learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But it is a burden nonetheless. And we are yoked with Jesus. We are the message and he intends to bring us out. You know, we serve the master because of who he is. And he has our best interests at heart. And so we serve because we want to please him and also because it's the best thing for us. So church, let's have no more talk about whether we should worship God or serve the poor. Let's not banter about whether we should worship the God of justice or be a people of justice. <laughs> Do we worship or serve? Yes. Yes. We, we're going to lean in to our community. We're going to lean in. I can't wait to have a conversation this next week with the city of, of Issaquah. And I'm just going to let them know we've got a church that is zealous for good works. And I'm not going to say it in those words, but you know what I mean. Like, yes, let's lean in. What can we do? Put our shoulders to work. Let's go. People always ask, you know, is it, so Isquah Christian Church, is that a good church? Is that a good church? What would that even look like? Are they Christoformed? Have they been shaped like Jesus? Are they a good church? If so, what are we good for? That's our calling 
in the community to be the light and life, to be the message so that people can see and worship Jesus. Let's do it together.